Hello, everyone. This is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about something that that um, well, it, it it can have a profound impact on your life. And I've talked about these things a little bit before, but but really, it's just a topic that I'm really excited about. I really feel the Lord has given me a lot of understanding in this area. Uh, I definitely. I'm not where I need to be in this particular area, but I'm, I'm definitely on my way. And I know this can have a, a serious, awesome impact on your life. And so this is really the first message in the series where I'm going to be discussing inner peace, fulfillment, and dominating life. All of these sort of around the, the theme of succeeding in life. You know, if you've seen my stuff for any period of time, you know, I, I absolutely believe that God wants us to succeed and dominate in every area of our lives. And I know not everyone believes that, but, but it's still the truth. And, and I want to get there and I want to help other people get there because I, I just know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God wants us to succeed, that God wants, you know, that, that the concept that we are blessed in Christ, that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's Ephesians chapter one, that, that we are heirs of the blessing and all of these blessings, blessings, blessings. They should show up in our life. They should tangibly manifest. It's not just something we're going to experience, you know, in the hereafter when we get to heaven. No, we are blessed right now. And these blessings can show up physically in our lives right now. But, you know, it's not automatic. God's not the great puppet master. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. We've got to learn the system of God. and We got to start doing things God's way. And, you know, really, if we just looked at a few of Jesus' statements, especially as we think about succeeding and really starting to dominate life, you know, if we just looked at a few of these statements, I really think, you know, even if you, you don't really agree with those initial thoughts I'm having today, just look at these statements, right? He said, all things are possible to those who believe. He said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, ask anything of God in my name and he will do it. He said, speak to a mountain and it will move. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I mean, even if you just took those statements and believed them, right? Believe that those things were possible. Believe that those things could be a part of our lives then our whole outlook on life would change, just starting there, let alone all of the other amazing things that he said. So, you know, we, you know as we think about success, and, and today I just want to say, today I'm really going to be focusing on inner peace. But, but I used to think that if I found what God wanted me to do and then did it, that would solve all my problems and I would be happy and successful. But I realized it's not that simple. If, if I want to truly succeed, I need to succeed on the inside. And if I succeed inside and outside, I can dominate every area of my life. And God has provided all of this for us. Again, it's not automatic, but it's right there in the word of God. So when I think about internal success, I look at that as a combination of inner peace and fulfillment. You know, imagine that you had true inner peace within yourself. Then imagine that you knew all the good works that your creator, God, planned for you and you were doing them. What could provide better fulfillment where you 
truly believe you are having your God-given appropriate impact on the world. You know, I guess I can't say for a fact that inner peace and fulfillment are, are all there are to existence, but, but that would be a pretty good start. So today I'm going to focus on inner peace and, and soon we're going to talk about fulfillment where we really bring in the combination with knowing who you are, knowing your unity with God, and then doing exactly what God wants you to do. I believe that's really the key to fulfillment, seeing you have the appropriate impact on the world around you. But today, inner peace. And I'm telling you, you may not have heard this discussed in this manner before, but I really believe it's going to bless you. Inner peace, I believe, is a lost treasure. And I also believe it's very important to truly dominating every area of your life in the way that God intends. And you'll see that this biblical inner peace that I'm talking about is very important. It's very obtainable. And look, I'm not just talking about freedom from anxiety and, you know, being relaxed and laid back all the time. I'm talking about a true harmony within yourself. And if we can get our internal situation right, I know the external will follow. So what do I mean by inner peace? You know, I don't mean that we never experience problems or never experience anxiety or fear. You know, we live in a fallen world and the devil is the God of this era or this period of time. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says God of this world, but the word world in Greek is eon or era, referring to a period of time. Furthermore, if you are working to expand God's kingdom, you are a target for unclean spirits and you need to be ready for attacks. You need to know how to deal that. You know, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You, you need to be walking, you know, really taking your authority over the unclean spirits, under the, over the dominion of darkness, keeping those things away from your life. We'll talk about that more. And, you know, if you listen to my talk about the kingdom of God and some of those other talks, you, you get some of that as well. But look, inner peace can mean, despite whatever's happening in the world around you, we are at peace with ourselves and how we approach life and its issues. So look, if I could have a unified life force, a unified experience of self, true harmony with myself, then I could bring all that I am, including all of my relationship with God and all of the spiritual realities that have given to me, that are given to me in Christ. I could bring all of that to every situation. And then I could do my best to advance God's kingdom and the world around me, bless the world around me on behalf of God's kingdom. If I could be all that God created me to be in every moment, in every situation, then I could experience God's best in all of them. This is how I'm supposed to be experiencing life and impacting the world. And look, I know some of what I just said may sound like fake spirituality or some sort of mysticism or something goofy. And I hate that stuff. I hate fake spiritual. I hate goofy. I hate false spirituality that, you know, the world talks about. There is no spirit other than, you know. The, the spirit we want is the Holy Spirit. The spirituality we want is the spirituality that identifies and aligns with the kingdom of God. But, but anyway, I'm trying to find words for ideas that I see in the Bible, but, but, but candidly, I've never heard anybody talk about these things this way, this true inner harmony 
like I'm going to talk about today, and I'm not saying I came up with any of this. I mean, I'm not trying to be like that. I'm just saying I've never heard anybody talk about it. And, and so forgive me if some of the ideas, concepts sound a little, you know, fake spiritual. But, but honestly, we're just got to put some words on this and, and you'll see as we go through it that, you know, absolutely what I'm talking about is biblical and it's a biblical possibility that I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about. So maybe you have, that's great. But anyway, the point is that you can experience a unified existence inside yourself. And from that place, you can succeed with a godly success in every area of your life and be joyful no matter what is going on in the world around you. When a unified you begins working with the Spirit of God, you will have the effect on the world you are always meant to have. When you find yourself doing that, you are going to be moving on to literally another level of existence. That's a unified you, united with the Spirit of God, doing everything God wants you to do. That is an absolute possibility. And, I, and guys, I'm telling you, that's where it's at. That's peace, that's fulfillment, that's excitement, that's joy. That's the adventure that we're supposed to live, and it is absolutely available to you. That is the existence that every single Christian is supposed to have. We must get started. So look, let's let's start by looking at this, this inner turmoil, this lack of inner peace. Let's focus on it for a moment, and then we'll look at how to beat it. The problem, fundamentally, is that we have divisions inside of ourselves. If we can reconcile those divisions, we will be at peace, at least with ourselves. So let's get a handle on these to know our enemy and then see the possible reconciliation and how that's going to impact our lives dramatically. Look, we are, as humans, we are hardwired to look out for ourselves and our own needs as a survival instinct. Look, a child cries to get what it's want. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how God created us. So we alerts the parents and so forth. But as a child grows, he or she begins learning rules. The child wants to eat all the cookies, but the mom says only one. The child wants to play with all the toys, but the teacher says the kid must share. These first rules are usually infused with morality. All right, You have to share because you be, need to be nice to the other kids. You can't eat all the cookies. Everybody else wants a cookie. So if you're not nice or you don't share... Not only are you violating some rule of, of sharing, but but you are morally wrong, that there's a moral component to the whole rule situation. So, you see, if it's, it's not just a violation of a rule, but it's also telling me that if I break the rules, part of me is bad, or if I want to break the rules, that part of me is bad. So you see, part of me doesn't really want to share, right? Even this is true today. As you go through life, there are times you don't really want to share. So part of me wants something that's bad. Part of me wants to, to kind of go against these rules that I've been given since I was a child. But there is another part of me that does want to share. 
right? We are also in the same way that we're kind of hardwired to be selfish and look out for number one, survival, all of that. There is another part of me that wants to be in good relationship with people, that wants to be loving, that wants to honor those who are in authority, that wants to honor my parents, that wants to, you know, have the right community and and relationships, right? Both of those are hardwired into me, and they're also in conflict. You see, not only is there a division between what I want and the rules, There's also a division within me because part of me wants to obey the rules and part of me doesn't. If you will look, you will see that these divisions invade many areas of our lives. You can also understand how these divisions can create a significant, you know, significant mental health issues, especially, you know, people that really suffer from from guilt and self-loathing and people that really get down on themselves. You know, it's everywhere. You know, I want fast food, but I want to be healthy. My kids make me mad. I want to yell, but I want to be loving. You know, I have some money. I want to be generous, but, you know, I also want to save and provide for my own future. Conflict is everywhere. And furthermore, sometimes there's no real truly correct choice, right? I mean, most of you know I'm involved with Haiti. I get a few bucks, you know. It's not necessarily wrong whether to give money to Haiti or, you know, maybe put it towards my kid's education or something like that. But but there are these conflicts. And so we go through life experiencing these conflicts all the time. And we have these conflicts between us and the outside world. And then we also have these conflicts within ourselves. So, listen, a human being fundamentally is an eternal spirit which lives in a body and has a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. So a human is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, there are divisions within each of these, and then there are divisions between them. Now, you'll see where we're going with all this in a minute. Uh, but when a person becomes a Christian, other than the fact that that, that spirit immediately becomes perfect and, and reborn again, uh, and that spirit no longer has any divisions, the rest of the divisions do not disappear immediately. In fact, I think the divisions get worse until we start resolving them. And, and that's one of the things I really want to help with. Uh, and that's really one of the main points of this teaching. When you become a Christian, you, you have to understand, when you become a Christian, your spirit is immediately recreated by God himself. Look at 1 John 5, 1, 1 John 5, 18, John chapter 3. Jesus talks about this. It's amazing. Uh, he talks about it in John 3. Obviously, 1 John was written by the Apostle John. Anyway, God's Spirit, when you become a Christian, God's Spirit literally gives birth to your spirit again. Literally, the Bible says that God, that his seed is in you, and that word for seed in the Greek is sperma. You are the biological child of God when you become a Christian. I don't mean biological, you know, your flesh. I mean the life of your spirit, which is your true life. You have become God's child. You are perfect in the eyes of God, in your spirit. When your body dies, your spirit will go to heaven. Your spirit immediately thinks and acts like God. Your spirit has direct access to the spirit of God for everything it wants or needs. Those things happen to you instantly the moment you become a Christian. Look at also Romans 8, Ephesians 1 for some more discussion about our spirits. 
Unfortunately, the amazing, wonderful transformations that happen in our spirit do not, unfortunately, do not happen to your body or your soul. So if you're a drug addict or you're addicted to ungodly entertainment or you cussed all the time or you, you know, had some other negative behavior in the mind or the flesh, you probably still had all of those things the moment after you became a Christian. And look, I get it. I know some of you were miraculously delivered from every sinful behavior and every sinful desire you would ever have. But the rest of us have to deal with these things in other ways. So look, now... As a new Christian, you have a serious inner conflict. And let me say, I think this is actually a major problem that doesn't get discuss, discussed. And, and I think it's a, even a major problem for, for people that have been a Christian a long time that haven't recognized and started to resolve these issues. And, and, you know, but we're gonna, we're gonna work on that. We're gonna, ho- we're gonna focus on this today. And I really think this will bless you. You see, your spirit, my, my Christian brother and si- or sister, Your spirit is perfect and wants to do right in every way. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions wants to start doing better and pleasing God. But unfortunately, you still have the memories of sin and the mental part of whatever addictions you may have had. And that's still that innate selfishness that's still there that wants to break the rules. It doesn't want to be, you know, perfect all the time. We all have it. We're all born with it. And that doesn't change the moment you become a Christian. Your body, it's even worse, right? Nothing happens to your body. Your, your body still has every physical addiction it had before. Your body has every physical memory of whatever sinful activities you may have wanted to do before. None of that, you know, unless you have some sort of miraculous deliverance, none of that goes away immediately. So we got to deal with this. And let me try to state this clearly. When you first become a Christian, your spirit is perfect and wants to live perfectly. But your soul is now divided between part of you that wants to please God and the part of you that still wants to do what is wrong. Look, if you're a Christian and you don't experience that, uh, you know, first of all, hat, hats off to you. But but I don't know, man, you're on another level. But so this is something that we all go through. And your body has experienced nothing that makes it want to give up any of the bad behaviors. All right. At least maybe that was true for me. But that's the situation a new Christian finds themselves in. Now, look, most Christians, when most people, when they become Christians, they start working on that. At least the obvious issues, right? We drink less or we quit. We stop doing drugs. We, you know, hopefully we stop changing our entertainment. Although I shouldn't go down this road, but let me just say, I believe that the church by and large watches the same entertainment, the same garbage that the rest of the world does. I'm not saying I'm perfect either, but, but you know, let's just face it, right? We could all do all, most Christians need to do better on their entertainment choices. But look, we 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 want to start making changes. We want to start being more loving. We want to start doing that which pleases God. You know, at least that's the idea. But the conflict remains, right? Part of us wants to do right. Part of us wants to do wrong. And what and what happens when we do wrong, right? Now, sometimes we do wrong. We realize we messed up. We know God still loves us. We repent. We run to Him and we try to do better. Unfortunately, sometimes we do wrong. We do even worse. Right. We, we said, you know what? I've already messed up. I'm going to keep messing up. Or, you know, God's God's mad at me. There's no hope for me. And, you know, we just keep going down the wrong road. This conflict 
is actually something that all Christians experience, and it is actually described in pretty great detail in Romans chapter 7 by the Apostle Paul. Now look, most of our efforts to start doing better are honorable, but people get this wrong by just kind of focusing on the top level issues, really just focusing on the physical, like they can white knuckle, you know, not drinking anymore, breaking the addiction, or, you know, I'm just going to try to be nicer to my kids. I mean, look, hey, maybe you're better at this stuff than me. And I, I freely admit that nothing about Christianity has come naturally to me. I mean, I've had to, to make changes across the board, but, but look, when you just try to just say, you know what, I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to try harder. It doesn't really work that way. It doesn't work very well that way. We've got to go deeper, right? You must renovate your soul. All right? that, that might sound crazy, but that's what we're doing. Remember, the spirit is the eternal part of you that gets born again in an instant. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And we must renovate our soul and that's how we can start resolving these divisions and seeing real change i said a moment ago that this division for christians is described in romans chapter 7 and the cure is romans chapter 8 here is the short version of the cure and let me just say i think it, it took me a real long time to understand that the cure for the problems that paul describes in romans 7 is in Romans 8. I don't know why, but anyway, trust me. He's giving us the cure. And so I encourage you to read through those both on your own. But again, here's the short version. You must let your spirit dominate the other parts of you. The key to renovation of the soul is letting the spirit dominate. Okay? And we're going to talk about how to do that. And I'm going to expound on this significantly because this is very important. You first acknowledge your perfect spiritual reality. This crazy stuff that maybe you haven't heard or haven't thought about or haven't truly internalized is what you've got to begin embracing as part of your very identification of self. All right. And I'm speaking to Christians here. You're not a Christian. It's time to get saved. Except Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Your whole life begins in that moment. All that you could ever want is available. And it starts with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But look, for you who are a Christian, you are a perfect child of God. God loves you more than you can fathom. There is nothing that ever can separate you from the love of God. And you have complete and bonded access to God through his spirit, which is now literally bonded to you. You are one spirit with him. And the very spirit of God actually lives inside your physical body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 17 through 19. To see the backup on that. Crazy as all of that sounds, it is true. And you must acknowledge this new spiritual reality that you have. This true, perfect, beloved by God. Uh, walk right into the throne room. You're that perfect, right? With your, with your face lifted to God. Not broke, busted, and disgusted. You're not lowly serving. Not a slave. You are God's beloved child. You... Embrace that reality, all right, which takes a, takes a bit of time. But then in that embrace of your perfect spirit, you elect your spirit as the most important part of you. Literally the captain, the driver, the one who's in control. Your spirit becomes the captain of your existence. I quote, 
I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Start saying that to yourself, and that will help you begin to internalize spirit first. You put the spirit first. Now I'm going to let my spirit, my born-again spirit, dominate me. If I can let my spirit dominate all of me, then I'm going to dominate life for the kingdom of God. So what does the spirit want? If the spirit is perfect and godly, then the spirit wants to do everything God wants it to do. The spirit wants to love people. The spirit wants to help people. The spirit wants to honor God and and others in everything it does. The spirit wants to exhibit the character traits of God. These are also known as the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Look at Galatians 5.22 for that list. Your spirit wants to do all that God created it to do. This is far from the way most people live, very far from how non-Christians live. But this is, these are keys to the greatest type of existence, the greatest level of existence that a person can have. When we, when we let our born-again spirit sit in the driver's seat and take control, love, honor, faithfulness, the character traits of God. Now look, a lot of that, that, that probably sounds appealing to most of you. I get it. Many of you who are listening to this, you know, you're Christians and you're not, you know, day one Christians, right? You've, you've been there. I know most of you uh, that at least there I've gotten feedback from you, right? But look, the ideas of love and, and honor and respect and, and faithfulness and gentleness. Yeah, all that sounds good. You know, those ideas are pretty attractive to everyone where, where we fall off is the rule following and misunderstanding of the rules that really pushes people away. I'm going to talk about that at length because we can get delivered from that. But but look, people like the ideas of love and peace and all that. And they want to start exhibiting that in their lives. Unfortunately, it's, it's much easier said than done, right? At least, at least for me, you know, more than five minutes of time, okay, I'm going to be loving and then, you know, I start driving and 10 minutes into the drive, you know, I don't flip people off no matter what they do, but I'm tempted to, right? I'm tempted to, you know, blare the horn and cut people off and all of that. But, you know, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to really let the spirit take control and, and let begin living according to the, the things of God? Well, that's why we spent time in the conflicts. It's because part of you wants to and part of you doesn't. There's a part of your soul that, that, that loves God, that wants to do right, that wants to be a good person. But then there's another big part of us that's clinging to the old ways, clinging to the old responses, the old addictions. So we have to resolve these. And so, again, the way we do this is electing the spirit, letting the spirit begin to dominate and 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 actually as crazy as that sound this can get easy and and i'm going to show you how to renovate our souls which is the key to letting the spirit dominate we must renovate our minds you must renovate your minds you could really forget a lot of what i said today if you remember this it's going to set you on the right track and all this is just going to work out automatically i'm telling you what You must renovate your mind. Romans 8, Romans 12, verse 2. All right, check those. Romans 12, verse 2. In the same way you renovate a kitchen, new cabinets, new appliances, new paint, whatever, you need to do a complete 
gut job down to the studs renovation of your mind. And, and you do that by focusing on the things of God, Bible study, prayer, listening to good teaching a lot. You, however long you lived, it's not just until you became a Christian. I, I used to say that. Have you ever heard me say that's wrong? However long you have existed, allowing your mind and the way you think to be dictated by the ways of the world, that's what you have to undo. And let me just say, when we look at Christians who maybe we don't, we see Christians, but they're not acting right in certain ways. Maybe they don't act right in business. Maybe they don't act right with their family. Maybe they don't act right, you know, in whatever area of life. A lot of the reason for that is because their mentality was formed before they became a Christian, or at least before they allowed God to begin shaping the way they think. So what we have to do is we have to say, you know what? No matter what I did to, to create the thought life that I have now, the, the, the mental framework that I have now, I, I put it all, I nail it to the cross, and, and I submit all of it to the ways of God, and I'm going to allow God and His Spirit and the Word and the godly voices that He's put in my life to change the way I think. And I'm not just going to listen. All right, this is a bit of a key. I'm not just going to listen. When I listen, I'm going to hear and I'm going to believe and I'm going to allow all of it to change the way I think. And just, you know, examples, right? I'm going to become more of a giver than a taker. I'm going to become more one who's loving and self-sacrificing rather than selfish, right? It's these things. It's a reversal of, of a lot of the ways that we've thought and been taught by the world to think. I'm going to switch that up. But when you start doing this, you are becoming spiritually minded. This is the key phrase. You become spiritually minded as you renovate your thinking. You go from carnally minded to spiritually minded. I know I talked about this in my podcast, How to Become Spiritual, but really continuing to talk about what spiritually minded will do for you. I'm going to read Romans 8, 5 through 6. So powerful. This is New Living Translation. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We've got to put the things of God first place and allow that which comes from the Spirit of God, which includes the Word of God, my words are spirit and they are life. We allow this to change the way you think. When you become spiritually minded, or to put it another way, when you renovate your thinking according to God's ways and this, this perfect Christian spirit inside of you, here's what's going to happen. Your spirit and your soul are going to come into agreement. That is the first way to truly achieve inner harmony, inner peace, your spirit, which is completely and perfectly like God, totally like God, perfect in his eyes in every way, and your soul, which, which, which came to God with every problem you ever had, you can get those into harmony. And you do that by changing the way you think, by renovating your mind. And it won't happen immediately, but it will happen. So you've got to stay the course. When your spirit and your soul come into agreement, now, living a godly life starts getting easy. 
it starts getting fun and it starts getting exciting. You were never meant to struggle against sinful desires and temptations the rest of your life. That is not what God's called you to. In fact, you are meant to come to a higher mental plane where you clearly see the evils of sin and you don't want them anymore. You see the greatness of living a godly life, of doing all God wants you to do. And then you pursue that life with joy and excitement come hell or high water. That is the way you will begin to think when you allow the Word of God to change your mind, right? Your spirit is perfect and bonded to God and is ready to lead you into the amazing plan that your beloved creator has for your life. He alone knows who you are. Truly, he alone knows the gifts, the calling, all that you are capable of, all that you should accomplish. And when you bring your mind, your your soul into harmony with this born again spirit, everything is possible now. When you get your mind to line up under your spirit, what's going to happen is your mind is going to begin thinking the way the spirit does. Not only that, but remember when you get your mind right, you're going to begin you're going to be tuned in to the to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God and now you're going to begin hearing God on a much more regular basis and much more clearly. Look, guys, Maybe you haven't heard this. Maybe you've never been taught this, but I want to give you one of the most simple and profound revelations that I've ever received. Godly living is fun. Godly living is wonderful. Godly living is a blessing to be in harmony with God and the people in your lives and the world around you with love and respect and joy and peace for everybody. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Sinful living is bad and not fun. There is nothing fun about it. There's nothing good about it. It is the devil has perverted what we think is fun, what we think is right. Godly living can become easy and joyful and sin and temptation become easier and easier to resist until they're not even on your your life's menu anymore. Those are how you will be, that is how you will begin to operate as you change the way you think. Galatians 5.16, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Whatever you might be personally dealing with, I'm telling you, look, I'm not trying to get you off your program, but I'm telling you, if you will focus your mind on the things of God and focus your mind on the things of the Spirit, then, then, then those things of the flesh, those sinful things, those things that held you back, every sin, every weight that beset you, they're going to fall away as you focus on Jesus, as you focus on the kingdom of God. The character traits and desires of God will become natural to you. I'm going to say that again. The character traits and desires of God will become natural to you. They will become a part of your nature. That is when you truly start to change on every level. And again, I'm not saying I, I've arrived, but, but, but buddy, I've left and I can feel it now where, where, where before I would have gotten angry or before I would have felt a certain way about a particular situation, whether it was a negative emotion or an attraction to a sin. Now seeing that, you know, seeing that I don't feel that way anymore, that God has truly done a work on my heart, you know, to feel love and attraction to what God says is right. 
to feel rejection for what God says is wrong, to know that this is a 180 degree turn from the way I used to be, to know that this is the effect of God's presence in my life. These are wonderful and exciting and and. And if you've never experienced it, maybe I, maybe, maybe it's hard to truly, to truly grasp that, but to, to see the effect of God on your heart literally help you embrace the things of God and reject the things of sin on the deepest levels where temptation's not even a temptation anymore. At least not temptation to the old things. We're always growing. We're always progressing. But where you don't even feel that temptation to the old things because you've walked in that according to the ways of God to such a degree. I'm just telling you, that's an amazing, amazing feeling. As you progress in this, you start becoming the best version of yourself with a unified existence and experience of who you are and who you are meant to be. In fact, you start becoming the person you are always meant to be. You see, we were never meant to live in a world of conflict. It's difficult to imagine, but God never intended any of these conflicts to exist. Sin was never meant to exist. We were never even supposed to have original sin. We were supposed to come out of the womb with godly spirits. And then we would have our minds shaped by God and our perfect godly parents and the godly world around us. But now, in this fallen world where the devil's the god of this period of time, we are dealing with things that were never meant to exist. But by following the Spirit of God and allowing God to change the way we think, we can start removing these conflicts. We line up our spirit and our soul. And as you do that, your body's going to follow. I'm just going to say that real quick. Don't even need to go too far down that road. You line up your spirit and your soul, your body is going to follow. And when that happens, you start becoming the person God created you to be, independent from the existence of sin and these conflicts. Look, I think I think we've gone far enough, you know, I, I for today. I please listen to my podcast or the blog, blog post about becoming spiritual. Becoming spiritually minded and living a spiritual life is the key to true inner harmony. When you get your spirit and soul into agreement, your body will follow and and look, what you've got to do is elect your spirit as the captain of your existence. Renovate your thinking according to the ways of God. Embrace the life that God calls you to lead through his word, through his spirit, through the godly teaching he puts in your life. And you will experience an inner harmony you've never known. An inner harmony that is only available to a born again Christian spirit. From this place, from this heightened existence which is available to you all, with your relationship with God and the true spiritual realities of who you are and who God has created you to be, you can begin to dominate life, bringing all of who you are to every situation. You can begin impacting the world as God intended in every moment, in every area of your life. Guys, I pray that this blesses you. Study the verses for yourself. See the importance of this because God has true inner peace for you. And from there, All that God wants for you is available. God bless you. I love you.